I'm, I'm really happy to introduce Dave King today as our speaker. Dave is a faithful friend and a partner in ministry and um, just a wonderful guy. If you know Dave, you know he's highly gifted in ministry, uh, specifically in, in like personal ministry to people and counseling, but also in leadership. And he's had a tremendous impact on this church. Dave came on staff in 2011 as our executive pastor. And uh, at that point in time, we had a lot of turmoil on our staff. And Dave came in and with his wisdom and heart and love just led the staff in this beautiful sense of unity that we have that is really very responsible for what we're experiencing right now as far as an outpouring of God's spirit and, and, and life in this church. And so I'm so happy to introduce Dave today. He's going to share some things about his life Uh, in recent months. Dave's gone through some transitions, transitioning his role on the staff, which he'll talk talk to you about in his message. But right now, what I want to ask you to do is stand up with me, and let's uh, really give it up for Dave King. Welcome Dave up here. Well, thank you. It's very kind. It's a great deal. Thanks. So I like to ask questions. So I'm going to ask a question. How's your summer been? Tired. I'm tired of, busy, tired. Are you ready for school? Back to school? What? No. Parents are over here going, yes, back to school. I've had a really good summer, but I have to admit it's been somewhat unusual. And what's made it really unusual is that Our family has been invited to lots and lots of weddings. A lot of our friends have chosen 2017 to get married. And we did some traveling with a couple of the weddings. I went out to Kansas City by way of southeastern Iowa, which adds about five additional hours to going to Kansas City. Anybody been to Kansas City? Kind of reminds you of Cincinnati, but it's a long drive. Yeah. Went over to Indiana. Beautiful country wedding in a barn. You know, people are redecorating their barns now for weddings. It's kind of a cool concept. So that was nice. And then uh, in late summer, we were invited to our family reunion. My wife comes from a very large extended family. And so every two years we get together. But this year, for the first time, we had to register online to say they were coming. So I registered and then I discovered that for the rest of my life, I'm going to be invited to events or to concerts or to family reunions, some things I may like. So do you, have you registered in some of those? You know what I'm talking about. Anybody have any family reunions coming up this summer? Because if you do, I'm probably going to show up if it looks interesting. <laughs> There's something about receiving an invitation that just feels so good. Whether it's an invitation to a party or a graduation or a wedding... See, the invitation says you're important. I'm thinking about you. I welcome you. I want you to be a part. Yet, invitations can be a little stressful. Can't say, I mean, think about it. We have to either make a decision or take an action when we receive an invitation. Decisions about am I going to go or not go? What am I going to take as a gift? What am I going to wear? Am I going to look nice for this? Is it going to be casual? Then there are the actions we take. We have to take time off from work. We may have to travel a distance. 
An action may involve talking with someone we normally don't talk with or haven't seen in a while. Then there are the people that extend the invitations. They're eagerly anticipating a response from us. They're eager to, to know, are you coming? Are you going to be there with us? You know, everyone in this room today has received an invitation to something in his or her life. And my hunch is that God is going to give you an invitation today before you leave here. That's for you personally. See, God, who is the greatest source of, of joy, is always working. He's always inviting his sons and daughters into new opportunities, new adventures, new ways of seeing life, new ways of entering life, even in the middle of life's difficulties. And when God invites us into something, he eagerly anticipates our response. He eagerly and patiently waits as we wrestle with the decisions, as we wrestle with what steps to take. Today we're looking at ways of responding when heaven issues us an invitation or sends that invitation. Even those invitations when we're in the middle of some pretty difficult things in life. But we're also going to look at how God invites us to step into the desires of our hearts. To follow after those things that God has placed there himself. Before we take a look at all this, let's pray together. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We just welcome you to speak to us, to invite us into more and more of the work you're doing in our lives. Just help us to hear. Just thank you that we can be together today. And we love you. Amen. God, who is always working extends invitations to us in the middle of life circumstances. In the whole spectrum of life, God is constantly inviting us, drawing us, eagerly saying, come follow me. And a good summary of those everyday experiences we can read about are contained in an Old Testament book entitled Ecclesiastes. And if you have a Bible, go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Or you can just follow along on the screen behind me. <clears throat> there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. To help us understand these verses, let's dive into some background. The writer of the book is simply called teacher or preacher. 
And many scholars believe it was King Solomon who wrote the book in his old age. And the primary purpose of the book is to teach that life apart from God is like a vapor, like a puff of smoke that just blows away in the wind and is worthless. The book challenges us as readers to consider that there is more to life than what's in front of us. And like every good teacher, the teacher raises a a teaching approach that is thought-provoking. The teacher decides to explore every human experience known to humankind and to evaluate its effectiveness in bringing happiness and meaning. And the conclusion that the teacher arrives at is this. It's worthless. Now, in reading the book from our mindset, centuries removed, we may have two opinions. One, we may read the book and think, wow, this teacher guy really needs some counseling, needs to set up an appointment immediately. Or the second opinion can be, wow, what a brilliant way to challenge me or our culture to really pursue what God says. I like option number two better. And the first eight verses of chapter three, which we've just read, are perhaps the most popular verses from the book. They've appeared in songs. People who are over age 48 may have remembered, and I don't know why I chose age 48. Sounds like a good, good age. But you may remember the song, Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds. It's going through your head right now, isn't it, too? Everything, turn, turn, turn. And so everyone under age 48 right now saying, Dave, it's time to move on. (laughs) The words have been in, in songs. One source says that John F. Kennedy, the day that he was assassinated, planned to use these words in his final speech, which he did not realize he was going to be his final speech. We may have heard these words at a funeral or a wedding. And there are different interpretations of really what these words mean. If you look at the eight verses, you're going to notice 14 pairs of opposite experiences. And the teacher does that purposefully because he says from the time we are born to the time we die, there are going to be so many experiences, that if we live long enough, we're going to see or experience or read about all of these experiences in life. So one of the ways that people approach the interpretation is that these verses speak of a timeliness in life, that there are right times and right opportunities that we step into those times, we take advantage of all that's before us. And with that interpretation, it places a lot of responsibility on us as humans. Another interpretation says there are fixed times or predetermined times. That there are these experiences set out before us that God has placed there and we have no say, no part in walking that out. We just go, no questions asked. In this interpretation, it makes God responsible for everything, even the bad things that happen to us. So what is a healthy biblical view to take? A healthy biblical view that honors God as king without blaming him, while recognizing the freedom that we have, has limits to it. So I think the interpretation is this. The view is this. God is a good God who desires good for us. He created us as children he delights in. 
And as creator, he is inviting us as his sons and daughters to celebrate life with him. He invites us to rule the earth with him. That's what we were designed to do. And to live this place of celebration and goodness with him. Always. And as a good creator, he created humankind with the freedom to make choices. Even choices that may say, God, no thank you. I don't want the invitation. I don't want the invitation to live life in goodness and to to work in partnership with you. See, in our decision-making, we sinned against God. In our decision-making, we rebelled against love and became prisoners of the devil. In our decision-making, which is freedom, we treat others with hatred. We destroy each other's property. We refuse to talk to each other. We mess up relationships. And we even kill each other. So we see that decision and say, this is our freedom. When in reality, it's bondage, but it's a choice we make as humanity. And Solomon, the teacher, is saying in all the spectrum of life, you're going to see those choices play out. And year after year, day in and day out, we're going to go through experiences, some very, very good and some that are horrible. And as the years go on, there comes a final day when God says, enough of the hatred, enough of the decay, enough of the evil. It stops now and it stops forever. So where is God until that final day? The answer is he's sending us invitations. He's sending us invitations to trust Invitations to act and to do battle. And he is right here in the middle of every experience with us, working goodness in us and through us. So what is an invitation to trust? It means to place ourselves under God's leadership. To follow him into situations where we're not sure how things are going to work out. There are situations in life that are forced upon us, ones we do not choose, like losing a job or being injured in an accident or losing someone we love through a relational breakage or someone dying or losing someone who is experiencing changes in his or her mental status. And many of us with aging parents Get that. We understand that. So how do we follow God into these unwelcome situations? Well, we look for the goodness that he invites us to see. My wife Sharon is not here today. She's in southeastern Iowa caring for her 91-year-old mother. She went out last week. And just to give my sister-in-law a break, uh, Sharon's sister is the primary caregiver And Sharon went out just to spend time to give a break. And physically, my mother-in-law is doing very well. But mentally, she's experiencing dementia. So conversations are short-lived. She asks repetitive questions. Um, She can't remember names or experiences that are just moments ago. 
Sharon went out a few months ago. The family's taking turns of just being with her mom. Sharon went out a few months ago, and it was an especially rough day. And Sharon had this idea that her mom used to love to sing. And her mom grew up in a church that would sing songs out of a book called a hymnal. So Sharon went over and got the hymnal that her mom used to sing out of, and together they sat down on the couch. And they started to sing songs of worship to God. And in those moments, her mom was able to recall the melody and the tunes and the words. And together, in the middle of that, that, that moment, there is worship of God that connects to his heart. A tough situation where the focus can be on just how tiring and discouraging. But God's goodness breaks in. God's love breaks in and receives the worship from this lady he loves so dearly. God invites us to act, to take action in pushing back the darkness, the evil, the sickness, the loneliness, and pain. So we carry his presence into dark places and minister his healing, his freedom, and his compassion. That's our privilege. You know, small things done with great love can really make a difference. This past week, I was coming home from the gym. I live nearby and work out at a gym close by. And I was walking home and I'm cutting across the mall parking lot. And I'm walking and cars are coming back and forth. And there's this guy who's parked the semi truck. He gets out of the truck, comes around and says, hey, you better be careful. You're going to get hit. I said, oh, thanks. And I keep walking and he keeps coming. Hey, man, it's really nice out here, isn't it? I can't believe how many cars went through there. So he's coming over to talk with me. And it's like, I want to go home, take a shower. And, and he wants to talk. And so I, I remember that through School of Kingdom Ministry, which I'd encourage you to sign up for, is that this is one of the things I learned, is that if a stranger comes up and wants to have a conversation with you, God's up to something. So get ready. God wants to do something in that moment. So we talk. He tells me uh, why he's in town. He's an over-the-road truck driver that goes coast to coast. And he's in Cincinnati just for a brief time, so he thought. He was going to deliver a load of materials into the center of the city. And they said, no thanks, come back tomorrow at 10. So he was stuck in the city overnight. And so he strikes up this conversation and tells me about his work and about his family, about his hopes. And then he tells me about, hey, I've got this pain in my shoulder and I've got this other pain that's going on. And at that moment, it's like, oh, there's opportunity here. And so, and I'm always kind of awkward with this. Like, how do you step into that? So I said, it doesn't matter. This guy, God wants to do something here. I said, hey, you know, I, I follow Jesus and he really loves you right now. And would you mind if I just pray for you about your physical stuff that's going on? So I prayed with him and afterwards he said, hey, thanks. And, oh, let me tell you where I'm going next. We talked for over an hour and about the hour, it's like, I need to go. And so I started walking down the way and he said, hey, I'll see you later. Now, as I look at that conversation, did I make a difference? I believe I made a difference because in that moment, I encountered someone who was lonely. In that moment, I brought compassion and concern to a situation that 
may have felt very heavy to this guy. And as I walked away, I knew that he was not going to be alone later that night or into the next day because I knew the Holy Spirit was going to continue the work that was started there in this guy's life. God's after him. God's pursuing him. That was an invitation to act that made a difference. God invites us into battle. And this invitation is not only an invitation, but a command. As Van mentioned earlier, God does not approve of everything that happens in life. There's an enemy, the devil, that fights against God and fights against us. And God wins on the final day when the fullness of heaven comes. But God wants the victory and the power and the presence of his rule that's there in the future to be pulled from the future into the present. And that's what he has commanded us and invited us into. To push back the powers of darkness. To work against injustice and evil. He commands us to battle the forces of evil. And one of the ways we do this is to refuse to live in fear. Now in the fall, we're going to enter a message series that will talk more on how to walk in freedom. But one of the ways that we do battle that I can share with you today is refusing to live in fear. This has been a very active news week, but aren't they all anymore? So locally, nationally, internationally, we're aware of a lot of scary things happening. And I have to admit that I'm addicted to news. My family actually has a running joke with me that if they're we're together and it's about 11 o'clock at night, they're saying, oh, Dad, it's almost 11. Better go get the remote. News time. And then they hide the remote. So. so I was watching way too much news this week. I really have to admit to you. And what happened is that as I'm watching it, I start to feel anxious. I get just my heart's racing and I'm feeling tight in my body and I'm thinking anxious thoughts. And I'm just, I'm feeling very vulnerable. I'm scared. And I shared this with someone who's very close to me and knows me very well. And I said, I'm feeling anxious and this is why. And the person looked at me and said, stop it. Stop it. With that kind of tone. The person said, just stop it because don't you realize God's angels are surrounding us? And in that moment, something broke for me. And I have to admit, this week has been a battle just with my anxiety. I've had to come back and fight through and the way I've, I've fought is the time saying, stop it. I turned off the TV I stopped looking at my phone as much to see what was happening. I really focused on what was happening in the moment before me in creation. Did you notice what a great week this was, how beautiful it was? The clear skies, the cooler temperatures. Did you notice just the breeze blowing? See, focusing on the truth of God's goodness, the truth of God's continuous work in our lives, The truth of God's angels surrounding us. The truth that God does not give us a spirit of fear. And I pushed through that and I held on to those things. I did battle against that fear. You know, God sends invitations to us to follow the desires of our heart. The desires that he places there. 
There's a great verse in Psalm 37 that's set in the context of a song that celebrates the richness of God's goodness, that as we follow after God, as we trust God with our entire lives, that there's reason to celebrate. And the verse reads, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, this verse highlights the interactions between us and God. God enjoys it when when he hears us say, I love you. God, everything I have, I give to you. You're so awesome. You're great. God, you're the best artist. That sunset last night was one of your best. But we can say that every day. And in turn, God in his enjoyment of us gives us the desires of our hearts. Or what are these desires? Desires are things that we love, that we give our time and attention and our abilities to. Desires are those things that God has placed in our hearts that get us up in the morning and that keep us going late into the evening. Desires are those things that God planted there deep within us that we hold close, that we think about and we dream about. God places desires in our hearts. God places desires in your heart, in my heart. This verse really has strengthened me over the past two years. And if you're new here today, or it's the first time you've heard me speak, you may be thinking, wow, this guy uses a lot of personal illustrations. And that's intentional, because I want to talk with you about transition. I'm in a place of transition. I'm in a place of new adventures. Two years ago, I entered a training program to become a spiritual director. Spiritual director simply is someone who asks really good questions and helps another person listen to God. And the practice of spiritual direction has been around Christianity for centuries. And it really is a prayer and listening process where the focus is asking questions and then listening. As I was in the middle of the training, I thought, well, I'm going to to learn this additional skill. I have some background in counseling and coaching. I thought this would be another tool in the toolbox. But what happened was more than just learning additional material, something happened within me because it was an opportunity for me to just listen and pray with the whole goal of growing deeper in my relationship with Jesus. And part of the training was lots of reading and lots of activities. And as I was reading, I began to ask the question, I'm wondering if any of the things I'm learning here are transferable into the business community. And so I I asked that question out loud. And what I discovered, there were a lot of people asking that question. They may have been asking the question in different ways, but a group of people are asking the same thing. How do we take listening and spiritual life into businesses? While I was also exploring, I began to to listen and to ask the question, Dave, what do you desire? What is it that God has put in you that you're to follow? 
So I took a fresh look at my gifts and my abilities, my interests, what gets me up in the morning, what is draining life from me. And through this exploration, and I was asking the question of, is this going to work in the business community? And about this same time, Van sensed that there was a, a new piece of vision and mission for Vineyard Northwest. And that new piece is, is that Vineyard Northwest will have an influence in starting new businesses whose leaders look for divine solutions to leading their businesses. And that was just, just this, this fall as he shared it with the staff. And so when I heard that, it's like, ah, yeah, I, I like that. My heart kind of sang with that, you know, singing heart, kind of an interesting concept. There was an excitement there. So I had all these pieces coming together. And then last fall, again, late last fall, a friend of mine who owned a small business knew my background and said, Dave, I'd like for you to come over and teach uh, our business some um, improved communication skills. There are things we do really well in our craft, but our guys go in and they don't make eye contact or they kind of mumble when they talk. And sometimes when they're listening to people, they'll stand too close or they'll stand like this and people think they're mad all the time. So come and help us with do that differently. So I developed a six-hour course and taught it to this business. And my friend invited another friend of his who owns a company in that taught his company. And what developed out of this was a desire to create a business that has three parts. One is training companies and communication skills. The second part is doing this listening and asking questions, the spiritual direction with individuals and groups. A third part is serving as a chaplain in an organization outside the church context to be able to care for people outside the walls of a church building. And I named the business Heartway Collective. Since January, I have been on a wild ride where this desire has taken me. It's, I'm just hanging on in a fun way. It's kind of like that roller coaster. It's like, yeah, it's fun. And Van has been very supportive of, of this venture. He and I have t- talked openly about what's developing. He's very supportive of the venture since pieces of it are very consistent with the mission and vision of Vineyard Northwest. God continues to surprise me with opportunities and great conversations. One opportunity that has opened up recently is with a local hospital system that's pursuing outpatient spiritual services. And what that means is that you may go to your doctor, he or she would ask, hey, would you like someone to call and just check in, see how you're doing, to listen and pray with you? And if you said, sure, then the doctor would refer you to this outpatient spiritual care service. I'm working with one other chaplain to develop the service. So it's a brand new business venture that surprised me. We're building a business. There are two chaplains working, and we're working with the only hospital system in the greater Cincinnati area that's currently pursuing this. There are some pursuits in other parts of Ohio and in other states, but we're the only ones here in greater Cincinnati. As many of you know, I've served as the full-time executive pastor at Vineyard Northwest for six years. And because of the time involved in the new venture, I made a decision on June 1st to step away from that full-time role 
into a part-time role as an associate pastor where I'm no longer focusing on the budget and finances and human resources, which were part of my duties before. But I'm staying with some of the the duties, um, like meeting with staff to, to offer counsel and advice and encouragement as needed. I continue to work with our facility team and usher team, our safety team to keep the building clean and safe. I'm providing some short-term counseling for church members and staff, and I continue to serve as a church trustee. I have to admit, I'm not sure where it's all going, where it's all taking me. It's an exciting adventure. And a number of people have asked, Dave, are you leaving? And and what I'm telling people is that for now, in this moment, I am here part-time, and I'm doing this other thing part-time, and we're going to see where it goes. Van and I have been very open in our discussions about it. Uh, He's, again, very supportive. If it does move into something full-time, then my plans are to continue on as a church trustee. This is my home church. You're my family. I plan to be here. I just will be here differently, perhaps, than I have been this last six years. I would really appreciate your prayers as I step more and more into this and Pray for Vineyard Northwest as we enter a new and exciting time. God is propelling us into some really new and exciting things. So pray about that. There's one thing I should tell you that's pretty incredible. As I was preparing this message, God reminded me of something that I had totally forgotten. Fifteen years ago, just kind of having one of those ideas or a dream, if you will, One of those ideas, wouldn't it be cool if someone started a business that one that offered spiritual care to like smaller churches that couldn't afford someone that could do counseling and had some of the skills that I had. And wouldn't it be cool if someone could actually take some of those skills and go into the business community and do the same thing? That was 15 years ago that I had totally forgotten. And what God has done now is surfaced that and brought it back just in a fresh way. So thanks for that, God. (laughs) Yeah. So the question I have is, what is God inviting you into today? Would you close your eyes for a moment? As I mentioned earlier, God loves sending invitations. So what is he inviting you into? Where is he inviting you to trust? To see the goodness he is working in? Even in the situation right now that looks really tough for you, what is he inviting you to? Where is he inviting you to take action and to battle? To love with an intense compassion and kindness. Where is he inviting you and commanding you to push back the powers of darkness? What desire has he placed in the deepest part of you? What has he placed in the deepest part of you? So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just speak that right now in this moment that you would extend your invitation.
that you would come and just birth fresh desires. And the things that you have planted there that perhaps that we've forgotten or just put aside for whatever reason, God, in your goodness, just call that to the forefront. Just bring it to the forefront right now. To speak your freshness, the freshness of new adventure. We love you. Amen.